0: In on a double doink, 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 live in the entertainment
1: capital of the world. That's what you want to know. It's the TC Martin Show. Yeah,
0: I don't know. That idea. <laughs> Diagnosis, I had an idea, and then uh, prognosis, yeah, I take this <laughs> serious. Osmosis, why well, is it funny? It wasn't funny, I wasn't laughing about it. Yeah, it's not funny, it's not funny, nothing's funny. About. Don't you ever talk about me. Yeah, I don't know. That's the idea. That's the result you're going get.
2: It's the doctor, TC Martin.
0: I don't go out there and laugh.
2: Doctor is now
0: in. Alright, glad to have you with us on this terrible Tuesday edition of the TC Martin Show. That's right. We get to vent our frustrations. Well, Frank does that just about every day, anyway. So it, well, it, two hours ain't enough for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> terrible.
3: We, we only vent our sports frustrations. This
0: is true. He include the whole world. Yeah. It, it's a telephone, it's a radioathon. I know. <laughs> and I gotta listen to it you know, during the breaks as well, too. Alright, but you have your coke. Your you're Mr. Happy today. I can already see it. Yeah, maybe not. I'm at Coke every day. I know. He's a Cokehead. Literally. I have a Coke problem. Yeah. I can only afford the liquid. <laughs> <laughs> he is ballpark VGK Frank, ladies and gentlemen. There we go. He's appearing daily and sometimes nightly. Two shows a night. Speed dial four. Ballpark Frank no nightly it's in front of my big screen <laughs> with uh, plenty of
3: coca-cola there you go I got a refrigerator for something you're gonna see water and coke in there it's kind of about it
0: BJ Armstrong <laughs> the three-time NBA champ Chicago Bulls he will join us today as we talk the NBA play-in tournament which actually starts in a matter of moments in the, the big game kind of looking forward to that one too. tomorrow the Warriors and the Lakers they will play tomorrow so we'll dive into some NBA talk with B.J. Armstrong. Steve Sachs will join us a little bit later on. We talk some Major League Baseball. Uh, another vicious hit-by-pitch we saw last night in the Braves-Mets game with Kevin Pilar. We'll uh, dive into that. Uh, very concerning with more hit-by-pitches. We talked about the Bryce Harper uh, being hit in the face. And Kevin Pillar uh, hit in the face also last night. Very bloody mess. Uh, you know, Breaking his nose. You think it's
3: even more dangerous in this era? And I'm curious to see what Steve has to say about this. But with every team having multiple guys that throw the ball 100 miles an hour or so, and and the fact that they're all so used to crowding the plate because pitchers don't pitch inside, that when
0: one gets away and it goes inside, they're generally not ready for it. They're defenseless. you know. And and you can also make that argument uh, for pitchers as well, too. I mean, one of the main reasons they are talking about uh, pushing back the rubber, uh, at least a foot, is to protect those pitchers because a lot of times pitchers, you know, can't even, don't even have the time to at least deflect the ball. And uh, I, I saw a, a two games last night where two, boom, boom, just like that again last night where a pitcher almost got his head taken off. So so they're yeah. going
3: to move back the rubber to protect pitchers and then destroy their arms because their breaking balls won't work the exactly. same. Exactly. Yeah. So by yeah. protecting them, they're going to injure them.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's a great theory. We've talked about that before. Yeah. <laughs> The game of Major League Baseball, and you know, and we'll talk we'll talk more in detail about this later. But again, you can fix this situation by doing a, a better version of the helmet, you know. And I know a lot of people don't like to do the face mask thing or whatever, but you do what women's softball does, okay? And same situation, except you're talking about being forty three feet away. And having these pitchers throw seventy plus miles an hour from forty three feet away. So as you said, and a lot of movement. Yes, women's softball. If you
3: don't, if you haven't watched women's softball, <laughs> those the rise ball. Yeah. The I mean, those things move yeah. around
0: a lot. And we know the major league baseball players do not want to use those type of helmets with a face mask. But I'm telling you, it it protects them and it takes the. That whole argument that equate it, it's out of the equation. You don't even have have to worry about that. And we've seen women get hit in the face mask, and the ball just ricochets off, and they trot, trot down to first base. But we're seeing more and more of these situations with Major League Baseball, and that is the way you can fix it. And of course, players will say, "No, you know." And it, it goes back to the old, you know, NHL days. I mean, going way back when. Oh, I
3: remember when the Blackhawks, some of the players, when if you they weren't were grandfathered in, the league, in, yeah, they were grandfathered right. in. They still didn't have to wear helmets, right. and a lot of them didn't. Yeah. I just find it interesting that you're talking about mandating possibly a face mask thing in this day and age. Boy, are some people going to go crazy over that? Yeah, but <laughs> but but check it out. It's really hypocritical because what is major league well, the baseball whole, the people are hypocritical that doesn't stop them from protesting and complaining about everything
0: the, the point of the matter is that major league baseball is so proactive at what these days it is trying to protect the players okay we've got rid of the vicinity rule at, at second base we got uh, the, the the catcher now you know cannot camp out in front of home plate because of the Buster Posey rule i mean all of that is to protect player safety right So here's one that's like right in the middle of your face, literally, easy fix, Uh, okay? We construct a helmet that protects players' faces because all it's going to take is one person to either die from this or to have a massive head injury or brain injury, and specifically, if it's a player that's a high-profile player like a Bryce Harper, then what would all the talk be? Right now, no one's really even talking about it. Well, it's Kevin Pilar. That's terrible to think that. But I watched this thing happen last night. I watched the Bryce Harper thing happen two weeks ago live, and I'm cringing. And you know, we've got some audio of, of the Kevin Pilar hit last night. I mean, it's it's pretty gruesome. But you know, Bryce Harper said, "Okay, shook it off." You know, you know, went to the clubhouse, came back, played the next day. Pilar, I don't know if he's going to be as fortunate, but it, it's a serious issue.
3: Well, it definitely is, and it always has been in baseball, and, and it's gone on forever. And it's, it's kind of weird when you think about it that it's taken over over 100 years to actually even think about addressing this stuff. I guess they did it a little way by first off making guys wear helmets, because think of way back when they did. Remember, they never had then, the ear flap. The, yeah, then, then they put right. the ear flap in. Yeah. But I mean, you think of old guys like Don Zimmer and that, and I know I'm going way back, I don't even remember him playing. But he became a coach and a manager because his career was ended because he got hit in the head a, a couple times or whatever. So, I mean, it's it's always been an issue with baseball, but it's kind of one of those things, like you said, it's the macho man mentality of rub a little bit of dirt on it and
0: move forward. All right. Terrible Tuesday. We're off to an early start. It's Terrible Tuesday. That's terrible. Things
1: gone wrong in the sporting world.
2: That's a terrible idea. I want to know what the
1: hell he's smoking. Something stinks in here.
2: That's terrible. <laughs>
0: it's Terrible Tuesday. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. Well, we know that Tim Tebow has been invited to the Jacksonville Jaguars training camp. Me personally, I do not understand why all the Tim Tebow hate And it's all coming from the media. So Jacksonville invited him to to training camp to try to make their football team. Actually to try to help this football team. And the media has blasted this move. Now Tim Tebow, as we know, has been out of football since 2012. He's been playing baseball in the Mets organization. Again, pretty good baseball player, but we saw this with Michael Jordan. Didn't work out. Tim Tebow has been a football player his entire life. And a very good football player. Jacksonville has worked him out three times over the last couple months. And all three times, coaches have said, wow, this guy can play. You know, we we understand he played quarterback, Heisman Trophy winner, played in the NFL, won a playoff game with the Denver Broncos, but still got all kinds of hate and people didn't think that. You know because of his arm mechanics and other things of that nature that he could play quarterback I mean he got talked out of the league basically by a lot of GMs and a lot of the media. So now Tim Tebow would like to come back. he'd like to play in Jacksonville close to home. he'd like to play for Urban Meyer. I think Urban Meyer would like to have him on his team uh, as his college coach but Urban Meyer has been very cautious about this. Urban Meyer did not even watch Tim Tebow work out. But his coaches worked him out. And they came back to Urban Meyer and said, "Man, th- this guy can play. I-, I think that he could play tight end. He could help us." And Urban Meyer says, "Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, th- this guy is an incredible athlete. He's an incredible football player. They said he is just a a freak or a maniac of of being a competitor in you know working out and all that sort of thing." And that's what Urban
3: Meyer said about him. He said that right. he's the most competitive person he's ever met. Exactly.
0: So. What is the harm here? This is what I don't understand, that people are saying, oh, he could be taking up another position for another tight end or whatever, that sort of thing. He got invited to training camp. Him and 89 guys got invited to training camp where he may or may not make the team. They're not shelling out a big signing bonus. There's not even a guaranteed contract here. And more importantly, who is this for? The Jacksonville Jaguars, a 1-15 in football team that is a mess right now. Lay off a Tim Tebow. Root the guy on. If he is one of the the best 53, put him on this team. And obviously he's wowing people because, yes, this guy is an incredible football player. Could probably play any position you want. I still believe he could be a quarterback in the National Football League. Got shortchanged there because he was with the wrong team, with the wrong coach, with the wrong organization. All that... It it goes into it. You could have made that same argument for Steph Curry. If he doesn't get with the Warriors and get an opportunity, no one gave him a shot. But Tim Tebow, maybe a tight end? Who knows? Give it a shot. And I know one thing Urban Meyer will do. He will give him a shot. He's not going to patronize him because he's already coming under fire thinking he's giving this guy preferential treatment. That's the last thing he wants. That's why he hasn't even attended any of the workouts. But be a man, Urban Meyer. If you believe that he can play and he's going to help your football team and be good for your locker room, then sign the guy if he has shown during training camp he can make this football team.
3: Well, you talked about a lot of different things there. Number one is if he makes a team, he's not taking a job away from somebody mm-hmm. else. He beats somebody else right. out for the job because they're not going to put him on the team. Urban Meyer is way too competitive to put somebody on a team just to do a favor because you helped me win a national championship and won a Heisman Trophy for me You know, a decade or so ago. It's not how Urban Meyer works. And I think he's not going to these workouts and that because he's going to say, if you can wow the coaches, the position coaches and that, and show that you earn the job, then I'll give a look, and then we'll see what happens here. And it's not like Tim Tebow's been handed everything. He tried baseball. It didn't work out for him. We didn't see him on a major league roster. It wasn't a publicity stunt. He tried to actually make it. He didn't. So he has failed before. I'm not as sold on you that he could play quarterback in the NFL, at least not at a high level or whatever, but he, had, he did have some success, and something magical does happen when he hits the football field. But I have no problem with giving him a tryout here. If he makes it, fine. And if you don't like him, then hope that he doesn't make the team. But what does Jacksonville have to lose by letting anybody with real football talent try out for any position there? Like you mentioned, they're a horrible football team. They've been bad for a while. There's a reason that they always go over to London because I, I still think the owner wants to be, if they ever move a team to London, I think he wants to be that team. But I got nothing against him, people trying out. If he tries out, good. If he doesn't make it, then you can say, see, what a joke it was. And if he does, then he's going to make it because he earned it. Urban Meyer doesn't put losers on a field because he knows it's going to be his job
0: that goes next. Right. Great football player, great teammate, nothing wrong with this at all. And actually, it's a pretty good story if people would... Give it a shot. <laughs> well, you know what's even worse than the Tim Tebow thing? Getting a tryout?
3: How about if somebody told you to come to a football program and try out for the team, and then you found out? <laughs> what are you talking about, man? We never called you. <laughs> Wontarius well, Bryant, who was a all-conference defensive back at Austin P, had a really good career there, got a call, and was told to head to the Atlanta Falcons training camp for a tryout on Wednesday, May 12th, because they were going to give him an open tryout. He wasn't drafted, but they got some of his footage and that, and he was going down there. So he left his wife and kid, got on a plane, flew down to Atlanta, getting ready for the tryout, got to the Falcons training camp, and they said, what are you doing here, man? Somebody trolled him. He didn't. They never called. He, he was told that the defensive coordinator called him and wanted him. They used his name in that. They said that he knew his coach in college and everything, so he was all excited. Thought he had one more shot to make his dream a reality. Said he was absolutely crushed. Doesn't hold the Falcons culpable for it because they didn't know anything about it. But somebody actually thought it was funny to troll this guy. This poor guy thinks I've got one more shot at my NFL dream and goes down there and finds out, nope. You were never even invited.
0: You know, somebody who trolls somebody like that, I really hope karma exists. Well, talk about all the effort that would need to go into that. Because when an NFL team calls you, okay, you're you're, you're talking to a, dir- a director of player personnel. Then you're handed off to a guy who's going to handle the travel and all that sort of thing. So either, I mean, it wasn't that elaborate. They said, hey, just come on down. I mean, I would have been leery if I'm the football player. But if the normal procedure happened and somebody you know, did this trolling an actual NFL executive and they knew the procedures to go through that's a heck of a lot of work and and, and for this i mean that's just it's just a dirty trick to it's play on somebody it's a high level troll but it's, it's, it's really horrible.
3: really a nasty thing it's to do to it's literally make somebody think their dream is still there knowing that their heart mm-hmm. is going to get ripped out upon arrival
0: at the practice facility <laughs> all right so a guy who is going to be playing some football this year. Rookie offensive tackle from the Baltimore Ravens, Ben Cleveland. Yes. You know his nickname? Big Country. We've seen a couple other big countries, you know. Any basketball right. player from yeah, Oklahoma Bryant. State? Yeah, Brian Reeves. <laughs> but here's the funny thing. There's another big country already on the Baltimore Ravens. That's what's kind of crazy. Uh, Tyree Phillips was already called Big Country. so he Maybe has, they can have a tag team match. There you go. Exactly. Well. We're going to get to that here in a minute, too. So, so big country, as we know, is fond of eating squirrels. That's right. Uh, One day he stayed home from school because he was sick. He's living in Georgia. And the only thing in the house to eat was biscuits and nothing else. So he got his gun out. And what'd he do? Went out and shot himself some squirrels. So now this thing has gone viral he uh, talked to a reporter about this, so obviously when he signed with the Baltimore Ravens, and they drafted him in this past draft, a lot of the press conference that took place was, hey, what's this about your squirrel diet? I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those
2: things. I don't know if it was a specific diet. It's, it's more so one of those things where, you know, you eat what you got in the freezer uh, from the fall, so, you know, had a few had a few squirrels uh, freeze-dried in there, so you know get a little hungry ain't got no deer meat
0: left fry up a squirrel or two and uh you know just just go eat that there you go all right maybe you can add something else to your refrigerator now tonight while you're watching the golden knights game
3: Uh, i think i'm gonna pass on that because first (laughs) off i don't want to do the cleaning in that and like he said a squirrel or two it doesn't seem like there'd be very much meat on them right i mean you know was he out with Ellie Mae by the cement pond when they were making the squirrel? Did Granny do it or something? Was there possum pie for dessert? Woo! I don't know. Yes. But, um, Beverly Hillbilly <laughs> reference is strong. <laughs> but, you know, it's uh, yeah not something that I necessarily want to eat. But, you know, I mean, there are places called the Roadkill Grill right. and things like that. And there are places where, you know, especially from what I've heard down south where, you know, if you run
0: it over and kill it, it's. Doable for dinner, possibly. Fair game. So he was asked, actually, to describe the taste. And here's what he said. He goes, well, it's kind of difficult to describe it. Some squirrels in South Georgia, they'll taste a little bit more nutty. Up here, our acorns and stuff aren't really as strong as the ones down South. Most of them up there, it just seems like squirrel. If you put enough seasoning on it, you can make it taste like anything you want it to taste like. That's from big country Ben Cleveland going deep into the squirrel diet. At least he didn't
3: say it tastes like chicken or something like that. But apparently, if I'm reading correctly, the taste is all in the nuts. There you go. (laughs) 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 I'll let you follow that one up. Okay, well, uh, let's go to uh, another guy who some people think is nuts sometimes, but he does a stand-up routine, and I loved him on, on all the UFC events, and he used to do Fear Factor before that, our friend Joe Rogan. You know, Joe Rogan has recently come out, and he is not a big fan of the woke-slash-cancel culture that is out there today. Says it's ruining the world for people like Joe Rogan. Was recently on a podcast, and he said that the woke-cancel culture will silence straight white men and eventually not allow them to talk anymore that they will basically just be domesticated cats sitting around the living room because everybody else has been so oppressed for so many years and so mistreated that straight white men have no right ever talking about anything ever
0: again, that it's got to stop we got a lot of backwards-ass stories in this terrible Tuesday today. <laughs> I mean, they're all kind of correlated in some way. Like, uh, they're, they're, well, I tried to hatred, follow yours some with some of the... Uh... That's beautiful. That's, that's, uh, I don't even know what to
3: say to that nonsense. Well, remember this. If you've ever seen Joe Rogan's uh, his, his stand-up in that, he talks about doing a lot of different drugs, a lot of different things, including, I believe, smoking or something like that, like the pituitary gland or something like that from the brain and stuff. He's taken some stuff that's really, really weird that he's experimented with. He's a very... Very strange dude. I think he does a good job, but he's out there. Yeah, he's out there.
0: Wow. All right. Uh, you know, going back to, to big country uh, for a minute, I don't know if you actually saw this guy, what he looks like. But he looks like literally a, a a big country bumpkin like this. And when I was watching the press conference, Does I it said he look like Jethro Bodine? <laughs> no. Jethro looked, you know, pretty fit as we know. He Max Bear Jr., there you go. Yeah. No, he looked nothing like that. Nothing looked like Jed Clampett or even Mr. Drysdale with a suit and tie. No, he looked a lot like Uncle Elmer. You remember Uncle Elmer? Uh, wrestler. Yeah, wrestler. Hillbilly Jim and Uncle Elmer. And so when I was looking at the press conference, and someone actually asked him a question about that he looked like a current wrestler uh, in modern day today. And I got thinking, okay, I really don't know who this guy is, but I definitely know who Uncle Elmer is.
2: Well, Ken called me. He didn't just call me. His mama brought him down there to see me. Well, when the Ken comes and Ken asks to help out, brother i'm gonna help out and i'm gonna take care of some business up here and all over the all over the world wherever he wants me to go where i'm gonna take care of some business and especially one man the man that done that doesn't eat beefcake Uh beefcake you better you better you better run boy i'm in town now Mm -hmm. i'm in town to get you i'm in town to get anybody else wants wants to bother jim because when you bother Jim, you bother my, my kin. And my kin is my kin. And you don't do that. That's just like one of my
0: pigs. You don't <laughs> right. bother my pigs, and you don't bother my kin. And don't bother the squirrels either, Mr. Ben Cleveland. There you go. So, you know, he's talking about kin as in K-I-N. You know, right. kin. At first, I thought he was talking about a guy named Ken. K-E-N. But oh. no, he's, he's Ken. Uncle Elmer. I thought maybe it was the Greg Kin ban at first, but, but I figured go. that wasn't it either. Yeah, so. Our love is not in jeopardy <laughs> right now, my friend. All right. So, yeah. <laughs> but Beef Future was in jeopardy. First, yeah. That was his first WWF interview, and Hillbilly Jim brought him in as Uncle Elmer. And those old-school wrestling fans, they, they know that. But uh, speaking of some old-school wrestling fans, uh, this story is not really old-school. I guess they're trying to be old-school. But I don't know if you heard about the Indiana Train Wreck Wrestling. Now, now Nunchuk, yeah is always diving me towards these. You know, all is it these, a hardcore uh, underground oh, organization? Oh, you know it. Exactly. Okay, and not yeah. even Numchuck so has I, heard I, this I, one. I, but, yeah. I know
3: of the type oh, of thing. Exactly. By the way, I want to throw this in real quick about sure. Uncle Elmer. Sure.
0: He was the glue of the kin. Yeah, he was. <laughs> Very nice. So... I'm seeing this video of Indiana train wreck wrestling. Looks like they're in a cafeteria, like these typical independents, low-life organizations, not paying their wrestlers. These guys can't wrestle. This place is trashed. The ring is trashed. Looks like a cafeteria. Garbage all over the ring. And what got my attention about this story is that a guy is laying on the floor outside of the ring on the concrete floor, not the cement pond, but the concrete floor, and another wrestler who apparently he's working with that night lights this guy's crotch on fire. Lights his crotch on fire. So the guy gets up and he's like, it's all part of the the, the storyline here. I mean, if there is a storyline in Indiana train wreck wrestling, then the guy gets up, runs away. And the 10 or so fans that are there tries to pour some bottled water on his crotch and what does the opponent do? Gets out one of those weed eaters, weed whacker weed eaters, and is like thrusting it against the guy's crotch like this is going to help put out the fire. And then the scene ends of this clip that I'm watching with about a 70-year-old handicapped man rolling through the scene in a motorized motorized wheelchair. This is your Indiana train wreck wrestling, my friend. Did they have
3: a soundtrack going on during the wrestling? Because if they did not play Great
0: Balls of Fire, then they didn't do it right. <laughs> this, this is atrocious. This is, that is outstanding, by the way. Too. No Jerry Lee Lewis on this. But people want attention again. But Jerry Lee no Lewis was, was the killer. He was the killer. It's, I, I, I don't know where to go with that. I, I don't know. All right. You got anything else, man, before we wrap this up?
3: I got one other one that I think
0: you're going to like. Because... No, Chuck is, is, is loving this fight. He went and Googled the, with my story here. And you're loving this, aren't you? Yeah, I can see you being an independent promoter okay, like that. Okay, well,
3: Go
0: we ahead. are a fan of the female form, correct? Yes, we love female form.
3: Now, what is your thought on breastfeeding? Because some people are for it, some people aren't,
0: some people really don't like it in public. Okay. Some people say that it's the right of a woman to I, do it. I think I know where you're going with this. I don't want to see it on television. I don't want to see it in my face. I don't want to. I, I don't want to watch it. How's that?
3: Okay, but if you have the option to watch it or not watch it, are you cool with that? Because it, Torah Bright who is a gold medal snowboarder from Australia, is getting a lot of flack right now because she posted pictures, topless pictures of her breastfeeding her child. Now, you can look at the pictures or not look at the pictures. She's absolutely just, her mind has been boggled by the fact that so many people are giving her flack over it, especially women, because she said that women should all stay together and do different things. She's actually got one pose where she's standing on her head and her baby is breastfeeding while she's doing it. That's some it's actually a pretty impressive photo. And she says, I can work out on that and nourish my baby at the same time. She's taking a lot of flack about it. But you know what? I'm all for it. If she wants to do it, why not? We've seen people go down on, on snowboards and that kind of stuff. Topless doing it on the mountain. Why not? Give your baby nutrition
0: at the same time while you're getting your workout in. And I'm sure you could Google this, TMZ or whatever to see. I'm not sure uh, who is more talented here the the lady who's standing basically on her head you know, upright. That is upright. Tor- tor- gold medal winner, right. or the baby. I mean, who's 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 sucking on a nipple there? I, I don't know who's more talented because and and here's another thing too. So basically. I mean, she's topless, the baby's naked, but she's got some, some underwear on. Yeah. At, at this point in time, you're in your own backyard, what's the point of even having the underwear on? Let's just, let's well, just because go she all was, naked. Because she knew she was going to be taking
3: photos of oh, it and okay. sending them out to people, okay. so right. she wanted to be appropriate enough. Okay. But, you know, as far as the baby's concerned, he's got the best possible situation you can have. The, <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right, uh, I'll leave you the, with this one. You know, last week, remember the story that I talked about with that uh, marathon baseball game between the Dodgers and the Angels, and the Dodgers were ahead thirteen to nothing, and uh, Clayton Kershaw was trying to break a losing streak. Yeah. And came they out took and everybody out. out way too early. Exactly, took Kershaw out after the fifth inning, and then it went from you know thirteen to nothing to thirteen to one to thirteen to four to thirteen to seven to 13. chipping away, chipping away. Yeah. It went to thirteen to to eleven. Okay, because uh, Dave Roberts. Took out Mookie Betts. He took out, uh, you know, Seeger, you know, Justin Turner, took out his top three hitters in the lineup and Clayton Kershaw. And yes, nearly lost the game, but they hung on for a 14 11 victory. Well, I happened to be driving around and listening to the Dodgers broadcast during this this day. And uh, the part that I forgot to add last week was Charlie Steiner is doing the play by play for the Dodgers. He's the the voice of of the Dodgers and he said this and i and i quote here he's talking about how the game is uh, slowed down to a crawling pace here and the angels are coming back he goes this game feels like the angels are leading the dodgers 11 to 14 that's what he said feels like the angels are leading the dodgers 11 to 14 now if you don't know what's wrong with that then you're really not a a, a sports fan because you never say the the losing team score first. It's 14 to 11. Everybody knows that. Every announcer knows that. It's not part of the grammar for a professional broadcaster. To hear Charlie Steiner say this in the second largest media market with the world-famous Los Angeles Dodgers, you should be embarrassed. Have you ever heard anyone at a high level describe a score like that? Actually,
3: I have, and it kind of amazed me when I did it too. But I think in this particular case that he was trying to say that it's it's such a bizarre situation because it feels like the losing team is winning. I think that's why he said it that way. No, he just made a... a, a you think a, so? I
0: know so, yeah. Because yeah. I wasn't listening. So yeah, I don't know
3: his inflation. Because and I'll tell you. Else.
0: Because at the end of the uh, at the end of the game, he said the Dodgers win fourteen to eleven. So yeah, he I just right. I, but I he don't, said don't it, it feels like the Angels are winning eleven to fourteen,
3: saying that the you can't behind. you can't win eleven to fourteen. But, but I think that was the tongue in cheek thing that he was saying. It feels like the winning team is losing because the Dodgers got out to that big. Yeah. The Dodgers basically went out like. Medina Spirit and Midnight Bourbon got caught in a speed duel and almost got caught down the stretch, but it was Pimlico and not the Belmont, so there wasn't room for Rambauer to catch him. You cannot lead. (laughs) 11 to 14. No, you can't, but I think that was the tongue and cheek thing you, that he's saying. It, it, I didn't hear. I did. I'm going to give Charlie Seinbrenner Steinbr- <laughs> the, uh, you know, the best of the doubt. I'm sorry. I was just looking at photos of a woman doing a headstand. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think you're, you're looking at the baby. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know. I, I think that would be a great Got Milk come- uh, poster. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> okay. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't bail this ham and out. No announcer does that. I don't know That's if he's a, a ham or. and egg Is he's had a pretty successful career. Really? Oh, he's good. Really? He made a lot of money. Really? He got let go of ESPN. I don't know. I don't know. That's I, and, and, yeah. he, and he picked I'll, up the Dodger no, gig. But, no, wow, but, do I feel bad yeah, for him. I understand Oh, that. my God. You're
3: only in the biggest market on the planet, and you got a new World Series yeah. ring. Wow, you ham and egger. He is a ham and uh, egger. He might be a steak and yeah. egger, but he's not a ham and egger. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he, he is not good. 11 to 4. Nobody says that. No tongue-in-cheek. No. There's a lot of he people that aren't doing that are very successful. You don't do that. There's nobody in Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NHL, any any sport, that, in the NBA, that is going to read a score or tell a score that way. It, it's humanly impossible. One Just the base- illiterate do that. One of your
3: baseball opens fig- features yes. the most – ridiculously unprofessional announcer of all time, and he never did. Harry it. Carey, right. who probably did do it because yeah. I don't know what he did half the time, even when he was, was sober, known as he didn't Mr. do that. Cardinal yeah. was at Comiskey Park all the time making fun of Budweiser, oh, and then did the Cubs. Go.
0: And people loved him. Yes, but he never said the score was eleven to fourteen. Oh wait a minute, where's my Budweiser? Did I, are, I say that wrong? Take Kershaw and spell it backwards; <laughs> it spells. Something else. <laughs> uh, Clayton Kershaw backwards is. And... <laughs> I don't. <laughs> you got terrible Tuesday takes. Hit us. TC Martin twenty one on Twitter. VGK Frank on Twitter. There you go. B J Armstrong. Talk a little NBA playing Playin'? tournament playing next.
2: I do exactly what I want to do. It's It's the the doctor. doctor. T.C. Martin. You say I'm insane? I say thank you very much.
1: The doctor is now in.
0: All right. NBA playoff action begins tonight, believe it or not, with the play-in tournament. What are we thinking about all this? All right. Let's bring in the three-time NBA champion who never played in a play-in tournament in his life, whether it was at the NBA level, the collegiate level, because it never existed. B.J. Armstrong joins us. What's going on, B.J.? Oh, man. It's always beautiful, man. Knee deep, George Clinton. Man. You always start my week off. I,
2: I, it, just, it just makes me laugh. Man. It just brings a smile on my face. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just get trapped into the music. Anytime I hear George Clinton, I just, I, 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 I'm I, like in a trance. So, uh, excuse me. But I'm back. I'm back. I'm doing good. The NBA the NBA is back. The playoffs are starting. The play in, the play out. But all I know is somebody's going to lose and somebody's got to go home now. So, uh, the games are starting.
0: For real, and somebody's going to be knee deep, right? So this is going to be BJ's. Somebody's going to be new <laughs> knee deep. That's it. that's it. And, and right now we are one nation under a groove, brother. Don't you forget that, all right? So this got to be BJ's theme song, I guess. Or you know, they're... oh man, it's I'm, I'm stuck in
2: that era. Just it was great music, just great music, yeah. great
0: music. The funk is back, baby. The funk is back. There it is. See, see, BJ, BJ like to come to some of my concerts sometimes. You're old oh, school man. funk. So there we go. We'll
2: put you on. There. Oh man, gotta have the funk, man. Gotta. Have
0: had a funk oh see we're not faking the funk here bj as you know now see as you know all right man so uh this play in tournament let's let's i'm gonna break this down we've done it a couple times here but as it is approaching let's let's go through this nonsense all right so we have the seventh versus eighth seed playing one game now in the west it'll be the lakers and golden state tomorrow the winner of that game will be the seventh seed the loser is not necessarily eliminated then we've got the ninth and the 10th seed squaring off also tomorrow, Memphis and San Antonio. The winner of that game will play the loser of the Laker and Golden State game. The winner of that game will now become the 8th seed. So, And we're going through this again tonight with the Wizards and the Celtics playing the 7-8 game situation over in the East. But it's not a single game elimination. If you lose, you still got another shot. So, it's a little bit crazy. Tell me how you feel about this play-in tournament from a player's perspective.
2: Well, from a player's perspective, you know, this is tough. Because give those teams credit, the 7th and 8th Seas, you know, normally under normal conditions or how it has been done traditionally in the past, those teams are in the playoffs. They get, at the very least, another four games potentially seven games and an opportunity to advance. But now you're in the 7th and 8th seed, you know, you lose one game or you lose two games, you're out. So from a player's perspective, you know, this is tough. This is this is this is tough because you know, now all of a sudden it it, it feels more like an NCAA type tournament, you know, one game can really change or the direction or more importantly, you could be out you know, you can be out, you know, with no opportunity to advance. You know, so. Um, but as a fan, you got to love it. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited about the games tonight. I'm excited about this plan. I, I think the NBA, Adam Silver and the NBA had to do something. Uh, I don't know if this is the perfect formula to solve the problems of tanking and resting guys and load management and all of those things, but. I think overall, mission accomplished. We had competitive basketball down the stretch, and we got some excitement. I mean, we're talking about the NBA season late in the season with everyone still playing with their key players because. The play-in game has ramification. Who makes the playoffs had ramifications. So those teams 10 – well, really those teams 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 basically had to continue to play because those were very meaningful games at the end of the season.
0: Okay, so I'll say this, though. I'll, I'll take the other side of this. Because from a rest perspective, we saw Steph Curry rest the other night. We've seen LeBron James, you know, nursing injury, and, you know, he hasn't played. There have been a lot of guys who have still rested, so I don't think the load management thing has really been any different than what we've seen. And then, you know, the thing that about the 7th and 8th seed, I think we're talking about it, BJ, because it's the Lakers and Warriors, and we want to see that. But really, who is really talking about San Antonio and Memphis in a 9-10 game, and and good luck telling me who the 9-10 game is, is over in the East. Uh, I just don't think that people really care about that. And then from this perspective, too, I think that really, let's talk about the wear and tear if you are a player that this is taking on the 7th and 8th seed. Because, like you said, it could be a a one-and-done or or two-and-done situation here for these guys. I see a lot of wear and tear down the stretch of a regular season, like, say, the Wizards, for example, who they're fighting to get in here, and they made a miraculous comeback... And then now, what happens? If you survive the end of the regular season, you went on this you know, great winning streak, so to speak, or won a majority of your games, now you got to come in here and win a couple games. What do you get for this reward of being the eight seed? You get a well-rested, number-one seeded team. So to me, it's, I don't think it's going to cure anything of, of having upsets in the, in the first round. I think maybe it piques our interest you know, because, okay, we've got a couple games here at the end, but how much interest really would there be if it wasn't Lakers and Warriors, which is kind of an anomaly? Well, it, you know, I, I think for the pure basketball fans,
2: I think there's a lot of interest because the games will have to be played differently, right? You know, normally you're, you're used to watching a game in a seven-game series. And more times than not, the better team will win because you got to win four out of seven. These one-game eliminations, basically what they are, these one-game tournaments, you know, two one-game tournaments, anything is possible. And, you know, if the Lakers – let's say the Lakers lose, right? Let's say the Lakers lose and suddenly now the Lakers could be playing as an eighth seed if they win, uh, if they beat either San Antonio or Memphis, You're talking about some real excitement. You're talking about the Lakers potentially being an A-seed, and they probably, if they were to win that game, they probably will have an advantage as the A-seed going into the playoffs, which would make it very interesting. So I think this is a very interesting concept. I I, I love the fact that, you know, you're looking at a young player like a LaMelo Ball suddenly is playing in the big lights, a meaningful game as a rookie. I think this is very meaningful. I, I I love the fact that Washington had a horrific start at the beginning of the season, and suddenly they end the season with an eight seed, okay, with the possibility of potentially being a seven seed. I mean, what what a tremendous! And, and you know, you talk about Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal now in the playoffs against the Nets. Offensively, who doesn't want to see that? Who doesn't want to see Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving? I mean, come on, this is like a basketball offensive you know dream like you're going to see great basketball so i think the excitement is here i think the adrenaline of what these one game tournaments bring is here and more importantly it just gives the fans in particular the fans very interesting storylines ones we haven't seen before in the nba with these one game type tournaments so i think it's terrific
3: now, BJ, obviously the NBA planned on doing this during the season because there were fewer games than normal. They were trying to get a little bit more excitement, give the fans something here. But are they kind of flirting with something here that could kind of backfire for them? Because we know that in the NBA, just like every sport out there, it's all about TV ratings and the revenue and everything else that's there. And by having the Warriors and the Lakers as a 7-8 and eight seed – you could potentially be knocking LeBron James or Steph Curry out of the playoffs before the playoffs start, and I'm not sure that the uh, TV networks would be happy to see that
2: happen. Well, I, I, again, I think when they set out to do this, right, when they, with this play-in situation, the NBA had to do something to get everyone to put emphasis back in the regular season. So I think mission was accomplished. So, look, whoever expected to have the L.A. Lakers, you know, raise your hand. If you right. said the Lakers <laughs> right. it would be in the 7th or 8th seed when this was all said, raise your hand, right? We're talking about the defending NBA champions, for crying out loud. So I don't think this was the intent. I don't think the Lakers expected to be here. I don't think anyone, certainly myself, Experts, people who, you know, closely follow the NBA expected this. But now I think people will have a visual of what could be. And now all of a sudden, instead of taking rest during the regular season, those games are meaningful games, which to me, that's what it's all about. Right? You, you, you never know what can happen, injuries or what have you. So I think the NBA has accomplished its first goal was to how to get people to play and not rest and load manage and all the other things that you're starting to see now, what to make the season, the regular season be a meaningful games. Those 82 games are very meaningful. I know they only played 72 this year. So I think this is a great first start. Is it perfect? No, but I think they had to do something. So from that standpoint, you know, I think now it has everyone's attention because if the Lakers don't make the playoffs this year, that's a huge headline. And I can guarantee you, the emphasis on the regular season will be much different next season than it was this season.
0: And I think the the thing here is too that it's kind of a mute point right now because if the Lakers and the and the Warriors fall out of here, they're, they're, then okay, well only one of them can because one of them is going because one of them will win that yeah, first game. Yeah, yeah. So the thing is. If if it's San Antonio or one of these guys upset and then say the Lakers are out or the Warriors are out, then it becomes a whole different story. It, it, then it goes like, wait a minute. Now, you know, if you just had it regular, we would guarantee that we would have LeBron James and Lakers in a series, the sevens playing the two, and the Warriors would be playing the number one seed and with a chance, with both those teams, a chance to maybe pull some upsets and go deep into the playoffs. Right and and, so, that, and
3: that's why I mentioned the fact too right. that it could blow. Up. Obviously nobody right. saw these were going to be the 7 exactly. and Exactly. That's why I said anomaly with that. Yeah. But but it's just interesting that it's like something that they did for the fans and to create excitement couldn't in, in a in a way kind of blow up a little bit in their face just because it's 2021, and it's
0: a different world out there. Right, right. <laughs> it is crazy. B.J. Armstrong joins us, uh, the three-time champ and also front office executive with the Chicago Bulls. As We're talking a little NBA play-in tournament here. All right, B.J., give me a prediction here. Uh, Memphis and San Antonio. Let's, let's talk about these games that we're going to see tomorrow night. Uh, uh, who, do, who do you like in this, you know, one-and-done situation between the ninth and tenth seed?
2: Man, again... You know, it makes it real tough because now you're talking about one game. Um, And, it's you know, I'm not used to watching the pro game where you just say uh, one game, you know, seven-game series, you know, but you can kind of, you know, follow the the storylines or what you see during the game. I'm going to say the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, I'm just going to say Ja Morant I think will – you know, he'll have an opportunity, but it's a, it's a, it's a guard game. Uh, I think DeMar DeRozan is playing spectacular. He's been playing terrific basketball all year. But if you had to ask me to choose, I'm going to go with the the Memphis Grizzlies in this uh, 9-10 matchup.
0: All right, all right. And let's talk about the Warriors and, and the Lakers. Break that down.
2: Well, you know, it's going to be real hard to bet against LeBron James, a healthy LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I mean, the fact that they are the seventh seed, it's just like comical to me because I can't believe that somehow once LeBron, you know, he did get injured that they fail that far. Um, You know, they were talking about the defending champions from a year ago. And this is a very dangerous game for the Lakers because we know LeBron James won't be 100% healthy. And in a game like this, anything has happened. Anything is possible in particularly when you have a great player who has been playing at a high level in Steph Curry. Steph Curry is very capable of going for 40, 50, 60 points at any given moment. So I'm going to say the Lakers, um, but I'm going, to, I'm going to be very cautious going into this game because you're talking about one game, and anything can happen. Anything can happen. You know, it can re-aggravate something. Someone can get hurt. Bad shooting night. Great shooting night for the opposing team. You get you start getting contributions from people you didn't expect and in any game like this anything is possible. So I'm gonna say the Lakers, but I will not I will not, you know, just write off Steph Curry and company because, you know, he's been playing terrific and he's a great enough player to where he can carry a game or two. In a series, let alone in this type of play-in situation.
0: Yeah, I mean, as much as I sound like I am against this this whole format, and again, just you know, maybe something new here. I am going to be watching this game, and I'm highly, (laughs) highly interested. And again, love Steph Curry, and uh, I would love to see uh, them pull the upset in this game uh, against the Lakers. Again, I I would be it it would be really bad for me. I would much rather see Steph Curry uh, in in a series, probably, than LeBron James and the Lakers. You know, for me, I I love Steph Curry and what the, what he is doing and what this team has done, BJ. As we know, I mean, they weren't picked to do anything this year. Of course, with the injury with with, with Clay Thompson, of course Kevin Durant gone, and you know, not knowing what you're going to get out of Wiggins and company. I I will say Curry MVP year. Draymond Green has done his thing. This Warriors team, I never would have anticipated this team being 39 and
2: 33. Well, you know, Steph Curry is every you know small guy's dream i mean he just runs around and shoots threes i mean he, i mean you, i would mean, love it i mean every anyone who's played the game any guard would love to have the opportunity to play like that i mean you i mean the guy just like catches and pulls he <laughs> just see from anywhere and the offense is literally ran for him by him to him and uh, he's fun to watch he's been you know as you mentioned he's been terrific this year and most, imp- and most importantly, he has been very impactful in, you know, how they played. And he put this team in a position now where they have an opportunity to get into the playoffs. So, um, you know, you de- we didn't know what to expect, especially now that Clay is gone. Kevin Durant, you mentioned, is gone. He's, he's not there. But give Steph credit. Steph was phenomenal this year. I thought Draymond. Was you know Draymond and the other guys filled in, so I think this is arguably one of Steve Kerr's better coaching, uh, you know, years because of the roster that he has, the injuries, COVID, so forth and so on, and somehow, some way, they are around, uh, you know, playing to get into the playoffs with this roster. So and it all starts with Steph Kerr. I mean, he was he he's been great, and uh, without question, he is his name is definitely mentioned in the MVP race.
3: Do you think the Phoenix Suns, uh, do they have a preference of who wins this game tonight? Because the winner will be the team that takes them on. And in Utah, obviously, they could potentially play any one of these four teams. Or do both of these teams, Utah and Phoenix, say, look, with the seasons we've had right now, we're just ready for the playoffs. Bring on who's ever the opponent.
2: Well, you know, let's start with with the number one seed, the Utah Jazz. I think the Utah Jazz, um, look... I think it's going to be tough for them no matter who they get right they're they are they going to get LeBron James, which is tough I mean they could be the number one seed and be not favored in the first round of the playoffs right, <laughs> right. I mean
0: that's more that's, than likely that's they will realistic. they will be the underdog that's true
2: they will be the underdog they could be the number one seed home court best record in the league and be the underdog in the opening round against the l a Lakers okay so we that's that's where they're at. and then if that is not good. Then you can, then you can say, okay. Well, they get Golden State. Golden State probably is the ideal team for them, or not for them, depending on you know what lens you want to look for. Because you're going to have screen roll 50 plus times with Draymond Green. Steph Curry versus Rudy Gobert, whomever. And they're going to put Rudy Gobert in and pull him away from the basket. Now, that to me is a matchup nightmare for Rudy Gobert and the Utah Jazz. Because Rudy Gobert can't afford to just sit in the back and rim protect with, with, against Steph Curry. And we know Draymond Green is a phenomenal screener. So I think, they're go- I think both teams provide you know, a really bad matchup for this Utah Jazz team no matter how you look at it. And I think that's going to be a bad matchup for them. On the other hand, I think the Phoenix Suns, they're just happy to be in. I mean, it's been quite a while. It's been over, what, a decade since they've been in the playoffs or something. So I think this team, along with Chris Paul's experience – you know, Monty is probably coach of the year if you ask me. And I think the, the Phoenix Suns are just ready to play. I think they're just ready to get in. I'm I'm excited to see how Devin Booker responds. I'm excited to see DeAndre Ayton. And I really like this Phoenix Suns team. And Phoenix Sun the Phoenix Suns right now, they hey they, bring it. Whoever is whoever's there. And I think they have the physicality. I think they have You know, a a great young team, and I think they have a veteran in Chris Paul who is primed, and he's been in big situations before. So uh, I like the Phoenix Suns team, and I don't think they matter. I think they match up both well with the Lakers and uh, the go-to-state Warriors. So I think they they are ready to go no matter who they have to play.
0: All right, uh, B.J. Armstrong, the point guard, the sharpshooter himself, joins us. B.J., before we let you go real quick, we know we had the uh, Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame uh, induction ceremony last weekend. Don't know if you caught any of that. The class of 2020 with Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, yep. Kevin Garnett, Rudy Tomjanovich, uh, the women's side, Kim Mulkey, uh, Eddie Sutton, Tamika catchings, and then, uh, the 2021 class for this year was announced with Paul Pierce, Chris Bosh, Chris Weber, and Ben Wallace, to name a few, uh, give us uh, some thoughts on any one of those uh, guys or a quick take on, on the, the class of 2020 or the upcoming class of 2021.
2: Yeah, well, congratulations to, you know, this past class. I mean, phenomenal. I mean, you're just talking about, like, marquee players. You're talking about NBA royalty, the late Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, and that whole class. I mean, it was just a phenomenal, phenomenal class. Uh, But this past class, 2021, you know, Shout out to uh, Chris Weber. And, uh, you know, being a Detroit native myself, right. I was so happy for him and his family. I thought that was phenomenal, phenomenal for him. A long time waiting. I mean, he's without question had a Hall of Fame career, one of, if not, you know, one of the best players to ever come out of the state of Michigan, right? And we've had some great players to come through there. But he's been, without question, one of the most accomplished players. So congratulations to him. And the second, I'll just say Ben Wallace, you know. Ben Wallace was an undrafted player, and whoever would have thought that Ben Wallace would end up in the Hall of Fame? And he's one of the best defensive players that I've ever had the opportunity to play against, to watch, to witness. And he did it right there in Detroit. You know, he, he, he. You know, he embodied everything Detroit is about. You know, he talking about talent you know toughness and what he did on the defensive end you know he could fit right in into any era you know that 80s 90s era when he did play uh he fit in beautifully and what a tremendous accomplishment for him as an undrafted player to all of a sudden now to find himself in the hall of fame so congratulations to all but in particular those two
0: all right and so many of those guys that you uh, played against as well too had some great battles on the floor and uh, obviously a lot of respect there as well from you all right, brother. We appreciate the time as always, man. Uh, enjoy your basketball uh, tonight and through the weekend. It's playoff time, man. Uh, and no one knows it better than you. So, uh, hey, hey. man, we're looking forward to it.
2: I appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, you know, we'll, we we'll, we we'll, we'll, uh, everything's about to start tonight. So uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be watching, and uh, maybe we'll check in next week.
0: All right, keep the funk alive, brother. We're keeping the keep funk, the funk alive. alive. There you go. <laughs> All right. Yep. <laughs> take, take care, man. That is yep. B.J. Armstrong, the three-time NBA champ, also a broadcaster back in the day after he retired uh, with ESPN, an executive with the Chicago Bulls as well, so and now a player agent as well. So talk about multifaceted uh, and the depth and the knowledge he has about this game, and a great player as well, too.
3: Yeah, uh, he certainly won some championship rings, and he was a big part of that Bulls team. Maybe doesn't get some of the credit that he deserves. And, boy, if you're Utah, you could play any place from LeBron and the Lakers
0: to the Spurs. Crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. It is crazy. Bizarro world is still there. We are in an alternate universe. All right. Our number two on the other side. Hang tight with us. Steve Sax will join us. We'll talk some Major League Baseball. Plus, when we come back... Vegas Golden Knights in a must-win situation. Game number two tonight for the Stanley Cup playoffs, round one.
1: Martin banks it off. Sutter is up with it there. Right around in front. Score! Live.
0: In the entertainment capital of the world. Leading
3: goal scorer on the team. True one in front. The
1: TC Martin Show. A tie game on the power play. Hodgson
2: was at the front of the net. They are well, even. It's
1: time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. A
2: power play goal by the captain, TC Martin. It's
0: brushed on back by Richard Button. Right up front, Yager, side of the net. Score! Giroud. The doctor is now in. Our number two. I want to thank BJ Armstrong for joining us, previewing a little NBA play-in tournament tonight. He likes it. He likes it. He does like. You know, most people do like it, I guess. Well, I don't think the big seven-footer likes it. I'm not sure what Tracy Murray thinks about it, but we'll talk to the rest of our basketball crew on, on what they think. A
3: lot of handicappers like it because there's a couple more options to wager. Hey,
0: I. I got my hand raised. I got I got action. I so got, you
3: both like it and don't like
0: it. Yeah, right. I'll, I'll tell you how much <laughs> I like it after tonight's game, and uh, and tomorrow's games. All right? I'll tell you that. Didn't didn't want any part of the nine ten game in the East, but uh, I do have some interest in the seven eight game with the Celtics and the Wizards. And again, like BJ said, you've got Bradley Beal and you got Russell Westbrook. I am intrigued to watch that. You have a that. lot of
3: star power in these playing games. You I do. mean, in a league that's drawn with individuals, and they make stars out of people. You know, LeBron and
0: Steph Curry are not the only two stars of these teams. No, it's true, but it is very strange that you're having. You know, because because Washington, I mean, they you you expect Washington to be the lower end, even though they have two superstars, and we've seen them make a. a a mild run, you know, a couple years ago. But, you know, Boston, that's a little surprise that they're this far down. And, of course, they have a lot of injuries as well, too. And then, you know, Jason Tatum has turned into a superstar. Uh, but over in the West, yeah, we know the depth of the West. But, yeah, the Lakers defending champion to slide all the way uh, down the way they have. Most of it is because of injuries. And uh, yeah, I'm looking. I'm, I am looking forward to that. But I do think it's an anomaly. Again, I think traditionally, if you go forward with this, you're going to see more of the Memphises, Portlands, and you know, say what you want about Portland. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I don't think they plan on going forward, you right? Know.
3: They did it because it's the 72-game season because they didn't have hey, all the games. But who knows, right? I mean... But, but I mean, again, you're, people, I, they're used to playing 82 games. If they'd have played an 82-game season, I don't think they'd do this. I think they're doing it because they're basically saying the ninth and 10th place teams here didn't have the opportunity to make a run at the end and make it into the
0: playoffs because they were shorted 10 mm-hmm. games of what a normal mm-hmm. season is. But, see, I don't know because once you give a taste of this, we see what happens. In perfect example right here we thought we we didn't think we would be playing softball in in major league baseball this year. We have a 162 game schedule, right? And they did this last year because of COVID and the 7 inning doubleheaders because of COVID. 162 games? What happened? All oh, these are kind Let's let's keep this around. So if Major League Baseball could do it, because, right, no reason. I'm not saying they
3: can't do it. I'm just saying I I don't think that was their original plan. Now, could they alter that? Yes. And if they do, then I would really be against it. Because I understand it saying, okay, these teams didn't get the full slot of games to get in. Though I don't know if San Antonio would have anyhow. They're a five hundred team for crying out loud. Right. But but yeah, but if they do it next year and there's eighty, then you're gonna get players union and stuff like that of too, because they're gonna go, wait a second, our contract are based on eighty-two games. Now you want these teams to play eighty-three and eighty-four potentially.
0: Right. That's a little bit different scenario. But no one has said it was just this year only. You know, we haven't heard that rhetoric. So and again, if people are clamoring and saying, hey, this is a good idea, this is a great thing, and this and that. Now, And again, if the Warriors and the Lakers get into the the postseason and have you know best you know four out of seven game series, then all this is kind of a mute point. But if you eliminate one of these two, then people are going, "Well, wait a minute, we you you're saying goodbye." You talk about marketing dollars and television ratings. You have to have Steph Curry and LeBron James in the postseason, even if it's only for one round. For sure, you certainly want them there. Absolutely, you do. So. You know, it, it could just be kind of a cutesy little story. Again, it could be more of a story, you know, you know, after Friday to see, you know, how it all shakes out. Well, yeah,
3: if LeBron or Steph are not in
0: there, then it's going to be more of a story. Right. Exactly. All right. Vegas Golden Knights tonight, my friend. Mm. You know, I go back to a week ago when we talked about the Colorado Avalanche and the Golden Knights playing that regular season game and how much that game meant and it ended up meaning a lot because we both talked about this, you know, forecasting this like, well, gold Knights get the president's trophy, have the best record, have the number one seed. They'll play the St. Louis blues, much better matchup. If they uh, face the blues, than the Minnesota wild. And lo and behold, the avalanche win that game two to one at T-Mobile arena Next thing you know, Colorado has got to play the Kings twice. They destroy them in two games, and they had one more game up on, on the Golden Knights. They end up with the same amount of points, basically tie for first, best record. However, the tiebreaker you know, goes to the Avalanche, and what happens? The Golden Knights have to face off against the Minnesota Wild, and the Golden Knights lose a one nothing game in Game 1. No goals in that game scored until 320 into the overtime and the wild get the goal and all of a sudden now the Golden Knights are in this must-win situation. And, you know, you say must-win, but yeah, I'm gonna say it's must-win because as you mentioned yesterday, they don't fare too well when they go back to, to Minnesota and play. These two teams have played nine games this year, and the Wild have defeated the Golden Knights six out of nine. This is a concern. This is somewhat alarming. And the flashback, and I guarantee you that players in that locker room are having flashbacks to last year when they were saying, we can't score in the postseason. You played 63 minutes, and you got zip in the last game. I think this is a concern. You can make the the argument that, you know, maybe the Wild are in the, the Golden Knights' heads. Maybe the Golden Knights are in their own heads. Uh, there's a lot on the line in game number two tonight.
3: Well, there's definitely a lot on the line. Uh, you definitely do not want to go down 2 nothing. Now, could they come back from that? It has happened. Remember oh, Washington sure, when sure, they sure. won the Stanley Cup. They lost their first two games at home, went back to Columbus. Alex Ovechkin guaranteed they'd be tied. They won both games on the road, went on and won that series,
0: and went on to win the Stanley Cup. So it has happened, but it's very rare. And I'll say this, not to interrupt you, but they didn't struggle against that opening round opponent like the Golden Knights have struggled against the Wild in, during the regular season of that time.
3: No, and, and again, I mean, they basically said, uh, Grubauer, ironically, you're not the goalie anymore. Braden Hope he is, and then Hope he came in, and right. of course, the rest is history. But no, Minnesota has been a tough matchup for him. You know, you know it's funny the one goal just how the narrative changes everything now vegas is up against the wall if vegas would have won that game it would have been a crushing blow for minnesota to lose but people would be talking about well you know they still were looking for the split when they came in here they still played a really good game they maybe let one slip away you can't do that but they're still pretty confident against this bunch here vegas i do think really does need this game mark andre Fleury can't do anything more he was absolutely sensational I'm still curious to see how Cam Talbot plays tonight. He was great the last game. The defense held him out. He faced a lot of shots, but not necessarily necessarily high-danger chances. And I know that officially I think the high-danger chances came down to Vegas had 12 and Minnesota had 10. So it looks like Vegas had more. But I think the high-danger chances that Minnesota had were a little bit more high-danger. I think Marc-Andre Fleury made the more spectacular saves in the game. Talbot was not good the last couple weeks of the regular season. He was really good on Sunday. I'm curious to see how he plays tonight. Does he go back to that form? Is he ready again? Is he raring to go? Or does he give up a goal and then maybe he gives up two or three? And Mark Stone, they put a captaincy on him, and he's earned it this year. He's played absolutely sensational. I believe he had one shot on goal in game one. You've got to get more shots than that. Whether he addresses the team tonight Or whatever, I don't know. But as a captain, he probably should step up and say something. But he really needs to step up on the ice and do something and play a better game. And I know it's difficult, you know, to do that because Minnesota makes it tough. But that's what Mark Stone was brought in here for. That's what they're giving him all this money for. And I guess the big X factor tonight is what is Max Pacioretty going to do? Is he playing in the game? It's still on on the slows. It's considered a game time decision. It does look like marc Andre Fleury is getting the start tonight. He was in the starting goaltender net, and he was first off the ice, which you would expect him to be. I don't know how you don't play him, but I I think Flower is going to be really good once again. I think he's just that good. I'm curious to see Cam Talbot. If Cam Talbot's as good as he was the last game, and Minnesota's defense plays like they did, and they muddy up the the, the neutral zone and in front of the net, it's going to be hard for Vegas to score. They have to find
0: a way to score. All right. And again, uh, the, the big uh, question here, Mark-Andre Fleury in between the pipes tonight, it sounds like more than likely it will be him. And again, what what does this mean for Robin Leonard? So we'll dive into a little bit more of that uh, later. So hang tight for that. All right. Right now we talk a little Major League Baseball and uh, the two-time World Series champion, the five-time All-Star, and the Earthquake's biggest fan, Steve Sachs, joins us now. What's up, Saxy? How you doing, TC? Good to be with you. Good to be with you, my friend. Thanks for for joining us and taking some time out. Uh, of course, Saxy doing all kinds of great stuff over at the MLB Network Radio XM eighty nine. You can catch him there uh, all the time as well, too. Talking a lot of baseball, and uh, appreciate you joining us today, my friend.
1: Thank you. And you you also can catch me on my uh, uh, newly uh, launched web uh, podcast. Oh, going to be break- out, hold on, breaking um, sometime news around the All Star break, maybe a little bit after. So I will hit you up uh, before we get off and, and roll in TC. But I want all your listeners to know that uh, I want them to go in and, and take part in my podcast. So it's going to be a lot of
0: fun. Solid. I I expect the invitation uh, to, to be on that podcast as well too. There Absolutely. You, go. you you and the quake. That's, <laughs> there. You go. <laughs> And hopefully it, there's no video in that, okay? That's only audio because you, we don't want to see the Quake trying to wear your old number three jersey and stretching it all out, right?
1: <laughs> we want to see Quake in the batting cage with the number three jersey on taking the pack. <laughs> there you go. That was cool.
0: That's it, exactly. Is that barefooted or, or not? I, can't I, don't think, I don't think he had any cleats yeah, I on. Had, I think he had flip-flops on, he yeah. Did. He did. He did. The, the three yeah, hasn't
3: been that right. big since his Bambino retired. This is true.
1: Oh, Jesus! Well, you know what? A lot of thump
3: comes
1: with it, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right,
0: man. Hey, I want to talk to you about, um, you know, Kevin Pillar getting hit last night uh, for the Mets with right. the, the fastball in the face last night. Uh, broken nose, bloody mess. Mm-hmm. We saw this with Bryce Harper just two weeks ago where he got hit in the face. Luckily for, for Bryce, a Las Vegas native mm-hmm. here, it, it wasn't that serious. But, man, it sure looked it. And um, right. if, if if we go back... And uh, listen to this audio. This is how it sounded last night with the Mets and the Braves with Kevin Pillar at the plate.
3: Oh, and he hit him in the helmets. Oh, my. And oh. coming out of the nose of Kevin Pillar, who was struck flush by that pitch. Forces in a run,
0: but the concern for Pillar, and you can see the concern on the face of Jacob Webb.
2: Turn away if you don't want to see it.
0: Yeah, so it was a uh, pretty brutal, Steve. I don't know if you actually—I watched yeah. that live, and I thought, and I saw the Harper mm-hmm. thing live as well too. Um, give me some thoughts uh, when you know. Of course, neither one of these looked intentional. It wasn't intentional, right? And then obviously, you know, the the Braves, you know, made a pitching change, you know, right after this. But uh, anytime a player gets hit. Uh, you know there there's always suspicion of that and i don't and that wasn't the case here but uh, pretty brutal here
1: yeah it is and it's an infor- unfortunate part of the game and that's that's the exact reason why if you're going to pitch inside or if you're going to you know if you're going to uh, you know purposely hit somebody which is part of the game you certainly don't do it up in that area i mean mm-hmm. you know you try to you know keep that thing lower um and uh you don't uh, ever go up and headhunt because you can have some serious you can kill somebody and uh, you don't even think about going up there in that area. Pitchers, you know, can usually throw the ball within a couple of inches of where they want to put it, and every once in a while a pitch will get away like this, like the one with Bryce Harper, like the one a few years ago with Giancarlo Stanton. Um, so, you know, most of the time it is not intentional, especially up in that area. It's just sometimes the ball gets away and, and you have this happen. We're so – we're so used to watching pitchers be able to dot the corners of the plate and put it right where they want, and when you see something like this, it's uh, it's just really unfortunate the ball gets away from them.
0: You know, and this is, I think, a little bit of a concern here because uh, we've had more hit by pitches. At this point of this season, ever in the history of baseball, I think you got to go back to nineteen hundred uh do you think this is this is a concern is this something major league baseball should should take a look at here with maybe you know changing the helmet around i mean there there's a couple ways that you could actually you know we always talk about player safety i mean you know look what we've done here we've taken out the vicinity rule like you and i have talked about so many times at second base uh the buster posey rule you know protecting catchers it's all about player safety Mm -hmm. how come no one has talked about player safety in the box there with you know maybe constructing something like what women's softball uses you know with, with their helmets or or something or you know that high school players have
1: well, I think we already have enough softball rules in baseball, and I knew that was right coming. Now. I knew that was yeah. coming
0: too. That's why I, said, <laughs> I, I was hesitant to go there, but yeah.
1: And and you think about it, TC. A lot of this is self-inflicted, and and why you may think and that's that's a crazy thing to say, but look, uh, for the most part, you can't pitch inside today. If you pitch inside, uh, you know, and you're trying to brush a guy back. If the umpire thinks you're you're trying to brush him back, he will give you a warning. He will give the other team a warning, and you know you're pretty much. Um, can't be at will to pitch inside. Not completely. And I think because of that, the, the hitters know this. And so they're they're leaning over the plate. You ever see Anthony Rizzo hit? His yep. whole, his whole uh, uh, arms and, and almost shoulders are in, are in the strike zone. So it's because the hitters know that the uh, pitchers won't be pitching inside very much, and if they do with the, any type of impunity at all, that they'll get warned or thrown out of the game. So they're leaning way over there knowing that they're probably not going to get it inside. And what happens? You know, things like this. So I I think if they knew that they could pitch inside, the players wouldn't be leaning out over the plate so much and thus getting hit.
3: Is that something that Major League Baseball has to address maybe in the offseason or something? Because it sounds like they're trying to make the game safer by umpire's warning pitchers and that. But they're actually, like you said, letting batters think that they have the right to just dig in and lean out over the plate. Yeah. And that's actually making it more dangerous.
1: That's right. That's a good point. And, and, and you know, here's the other thing. Um, all the rules that, that uh, are, are being imposed about you know sliding rules, you've got to slide straight in. You have to have a lane to go to home plate to slide in. Um, you know, pl- players really don't know exactly how the rules fall. Um, and what they are, they're just reinforcements of the rules that are already on the books. And so that's, you know, but but the, they have been kind of loose when you talk about the neighborhood play at second base and, and whatnot. So they, they really don't know what the rules are and how to slide. And What's happening is uh, a lot of these guys are getting hurt uh, besides you know, what's going on at the plate, you see these guys sliding in, you know, to all the bases head first now because they want to do that stupid swim move. And you see guys going into home plate this way head first. It's, it's crazy when you think about a player coming into home plate against a catcher that's fully decorated in all of his gear. I mean, all he has to do is catch the ball and lay down, and you are toast. That's that's like, a you know, uh, that's like, a, you know, the quake. and a a tricycle going (laughs) at it. It's just just not fair.
0: There it is. Oh, he's got to get the Quake reference. They're beautiful. Would that be a tricycle or a big wheel?
1: That's a good point. Either one. Big wheel on the Quake, they're both going to lose.
0: Exactly. Steve Sachs joined us, and stand-up comedian as well, too. He's he's got great material. Of course, we provide. I'm laying down. I can do
1: it uh, either position, but it doesn't matter. There
0: you go. Um, Give me a a moment of you uh, getting hit by a pitch. What was uh what sticks out for you? What was we, we, and I know there wasn't anything brutal, was there? And I know you didn't no, like getting hit I, by I pitches, had, but but take us back, man. I, I had a
1: couple times uh, in spring training um, with the Dodgers. I got hit by a pitch on the tip of the elbow on the left elbow, which was the one, of course, closest to the pitcher being in the right-handed batter's box, and um, it was right on the bone. I had to come out of the game. We didn't have the elbow pads then, and. You could actually see the imprint of the laces in my arm. That's right where it hit. Um, and so I had—I missed a couple games, you know, because I couldn't even raise my arm up. So my first game back in spring training again, probably three or four days later, I got hit in the exact same spot. Oh, and so that—that um, that, and to this day, it still hurts. You know, I can't even really press on it, um, but. Th- that's one inst- or two instances right there. Another time was in Atlanta. Um, my rookie year, I got hit by a pitch on the right wrist, which kept me out for about a week and a half. It, actually, later we x-rayed it, and it. It showed that I had a hairline fracture in my wrist. So, you know, I have got hit a few times that uh, weren't good. I got hit by Rick Russell one time right underneath the armpit, and I couldn't breathe for about a week and a half sleeping. <laughs> and that, that ball landed right in the batter's box, so it hit me pretty darn flush. So, you know, most of the times when you get hit and the ball doesn't travel anywhere else, but right around where you are, it's a pretty solid
0: hit. So, Rick Rushel, I mean, that's almost kind of Quake-esque, right there. Were you thinking about charging the mound?
1: Um, I was thinking about breathing uh, <laughs> at that point, let alone charging the mound. That, that was a pretty tough one right there. So, yeah, there's some times I got hit. I don't think any time around the head that I can remember other than Roger Clemens, threw at my head one time in spring training. But he missed me, and uh, of course. But, um, you know, other than that, that's been about it.
3: Plus, if he would have charged him on, he would have had to take on the tag team because Rick and his brother Paulie were both there, and that would have been a formidable tag team to take on. That's true, exactly. Well,
1: that's true. <laughs> that's true. Hey, I'll tell you something about Rick Russell, too. When you know He's a pretty big dude. Yeah. <clears throat> this guy actually was a really good athlete. He beat Ryan Sandberg in a foot race. In uh, yeah. spring training, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, no one would have thought that, but that's that's the kind of athlete
0: he was. No, he was an athlete. You're absolutely correct about that. All right. Hey, I want to get your uh, take about Albert Puholt. So the Angels designate him for a reassignment. Say, hey, basically, uh, you know, we're 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 done with you, and the Dodgers pick him up, and then and he gets a start last night. Sounds like Dave Roberts is going to use him against left-handed pitching, and uh, you know, we know how Roberts loves to. You know, pull pitchers early as well, too, so Albert can come in and, and be a pinch hitter. Seems like he's okay with that, but uh, give me your thoughts about Albert Pools with the Dodgers.
1: I didn't really think that was going to happen. I never envisioned him being with the Dodgers, but you know, if you think about it, they could, they could use uh, some more uh, punch in that lineup. They've got a lot of guys that are, have been hurt, uh, both there and with the pitching staff. So the Dodgers have really had to deal with um, a lot of guys going on the injured list. And, uh, you know, having Albert over there for one last hurrah, you know, a guy to come off the bench, uh, he can hit against left-handed pitch, and we all know his numbers are gaudy and what he's done in his career. Um, so he adds a lot of level of experience, too, that he just can't be measured. So getting him over there, I can see why they would do it. You know, he can also uh, DH against the you know the interleague teams at the interleague, uh, at the American League Baseball, uh, you know, at the American League site. So I think overall, if you, if you look at what he can bring to the team, Especially against left handed pitching. I, I understand why they did it.
0: How much do you think he has left, Steve? I mean, I know he wants to play every day. I mean, he probably won't get that opportunity with the Dodgers unless, you know, there's an injury there with Muncie or somebody else. Uh, can he be that everyday player still and be effective and, and, and be, you know, better than what we saw with the Angels? Well, it's,
1: it's hard to say. Um, you know, I don't think every day is probably in line for him. Um if you have him at uh, first base and Muncie at second, now you really have two guys out of position. Right. Um, I think that would expose itself defensively and over period or over some time, and you just couldn't go with that on the defensive side of it. Um, Muncie's more of a first baseman, but um, I think Albert's going to be relegated to spot starts here and there off the bench against left-handed pitching and maybe some spot starts in, in the American League ballpark. I think that's kind of where he'll be.
0: All right, great stuff, Steve Sachs. Before we let you go, my friend, quick surprise so far after the first couple months of the season.
1: Big surprise for me is the San Francisco Giants. Um, you know, they actually lead all of Major League Baseball in ERA. Uh, pitching staff has been off the hook. Uh, Buster Posey's having, you know, one of the, the best years he's, he's ever had in his career. Uh, maybe that year off did a lot uh, good for him. And on the other side of on the downturn, on the downside of it, I got to say the Minnesota Twins. Worst record in baseball. Never saw it coming. I thought they would pitch and hit a lot better than they are right now. The team looks a bit lackluster as far as the def- uh, on defense as well. So they've got a lot of questions that they have to answer for this club. And, uh, you know, they just don't look good right now.
0: All right. All right, my man. Appreciate the time as always. Check them out. MLB Network Radio, Sirius XM 89. And uh, the new. Steve Sachs podcast, which we can hardly wait to hear about, uh, coming very, very soon. <laughs> to a uh, yeah,
1: Thanks a lot, guys.
0: To uh, whatever, a theater, a car, or just a device near you very, very soon. Yeah, any, right. any device, laptop, mobile device, whatever you have, I'm sure you can pick it up in several different uh, formats. There you go, man.
1: That's right. We'll Art, give more information later, too. Thank you, guys.
0: Take care, brother. All right, there he is. Steve Sachs, the uh, five-time All-Star of the two-time World Series champ. Uh, talking about uh, major league baseball safety and like we've talked with him so many times before he is a traditionalist he doesn't like uh, the new rules doesn't you know and if you talk to a player they don't want to change the helmet situation they they like what they like but with technology the way it is today i'm sure you can come up with you know a scientist or somebody an engineer who's going to do a state of the art situation that will not hinder your sight while you're at the plate and make it safe. I know some people go, well, you can do like the plastic shield and this and that. No, no, you can't because a fastball coming in at at 95 plus or even a fastball at 85 plus, it's going to shatter. And and go in your eye and blind (laughs) you. Exactly. It's going to shatter that and make damage worse. But again, real simple. If you just, if you take, I know he doesn't like the whole, the, the softball thing, but those type of helmets, you don't even have this issue. But it's, what's it going to take? Is it going to take to have a player lose his life, lose an eye, lose lose eyesight? I mean, we've, we've seen this happen before with players that have got hit in the face where they've never been the same player again. And, uh, you know, knock on wood, we don't want to see that happen. But, man, I mean, again, the velocity is more and more. Um, you know, the exit velocity that we're off the bats. I mean, it's just not hitters that are in danger. I mean, like I said earlier, you know, the pitchers. You know, so, 60 feet, 6 inches away,
3: too. Deadly. So, so, which comes first? Those helmets you're talking about for the batters, or the screen that goes all the way down to the foul poles and that in the outfield for the fan safety, which a lot of people have been advocates of, and
0: people that go to games, a lot of them really don't want to see that happen. I know. I agree with you, too. And I. I, I don't like the, the screen, but I will say this: uh, I was so anti the screen situation uh, until I I went to the game and the way they've con- constructed these screens now. It is so thin that you know, it does not obstruct your your eyesight. No, you you can see you oh, can see yeah. everything
3: going yeah. on or whatever. But it's, so it's really different. not that intrusive. It's it's, it's right. not like it's like it's not, it's not like no. an obstructed view or something like that. Yeah. And trust me, going to Wrigley Field for so many years, I know what obstructed view mm-hmm. is. That's a big steel pole yeah. in
0: front of you. <laughs> exactly, right there. <laughs> Section two twenty two, man, right there. You, you you don't want those seats uh, right in front of that. No, 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 no. It's but, yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, if we're talking about player safety, again, it's it'll be a story for a day or two until it happens again. But, unfortunately, it's probably going to have to take a tragedy before something like this happens. I don't know. You know, but, yeah, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of the, the extra netting, but, like, over time, you kind of get used to it.
3: Okay. So answer the question, which one comes first? Which one comes first? Yes. You skirted around it nice.
0: I you thought, talked about well, it. Well, I
3: thought you were asking me. No, which I said which, which one. Which one comes first? Which the screen. rule gets put? The, the, the screen? The screen. Because
0: we've already seen the the screen implemented and now Yeah, they've kind of stretched it down a yeah, little bit more. They've yeah. getting
3: people used to it. Yeah. They're making it a little bit further each season. So I agree with you there, but I was just wondering. Yeah. Yeah. Now yeah. we're not talking like Darth Vader helmets for everybody out there, right? No. Everyone's not going to be the the umpire versus the empire or something. No. And again, you if you look at what women's softball does, and even... Uh, see, like, I watch women's softball, and I haven't really even noticed a big thing with the helmets exactly. and that kind of stuff, Exactly. Because
0: know? you have vision. You can do it. And like I said, you look at high school baseball. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's not going to be like space balls or
3: anything, you know? No. But, you know, there are a lot of people out there that don't believe that science is real. So when you say
0: get a scientist to develop it, <laughs> a lot of people aren't going to buy that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's what we have. <laughs> because that's who you had involved in in uh, NFL helmets. You've had that. I mean, look how the helmets have been constructed and redone oh, they've over changed years. So much.
3: You know, one of the guys that they actually used to, and this is a true story, when they would design new helmets in that, they would send them to Mike Singletary to test out because of the way that he would hit. Mm-hmm. And they started actually doing that when he played at Baylor, when he was a Baylor Bear before, because they said if he could use a helmet and not get hurt or crack his head open or something, and the helmet wouldn't crack, then they knew it was probably a pretty safe helmet. Because that's just the way he played back then. Now, of course, if you lead with the helmet at all, there's a flag going up in the air. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Even if the other guy dives into you and you didn't lead with the helmet, but they're still going to say you did because the running back or
0: somebody else ducked their head. Right, right. You know, going back to Kevin Pilar, you know, he hit with that fastball last night in the game against the Braves. Uh, You know, Pilar had had the, the broken nose and. He was fortunate to to not have any major major damage. Same thing with Bryce Harper when you saw that hit. I mean, just he was luckily where it actually hit him uh, didn't break any bones or anything. But with Pilar, um, you know, he said that he's having problems breathing, which is understandable. But typical type of of guy that this guy is, he felt worse for the pitcher that threw the pitch. And I was watching this thing, like I said, live last night, and. That guy was 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 shaken up, and at that point in time when he hit him, I believe the count was one and two. There were two outs. It was like the third of the fourth inning, and it was a two nothing game. And he came out of the game not immediately, but after he was he was kneeling down on the mound because it took a long time to get Pilar off uh, off of the off of the dirt there and take him into the clubhouse. And then they brought in the cleaning crew, which was kind of weird, but uh, disinfecting the dirt because of all the blood that came out there with COVID and everything. So it took a long time to resume the game. It took almost nearly 10 minutes. And then at that point in time, that's when the Braves manager came out and said, okay, we're, we're giving you the hook. Because he was visibly upset, and understandably so. Yeah, I mean,
3: it's probably not uh, unlike a boxer or a fighter or something like right? that who hurts somebody when they hit somebody hard like that or a receiver, you know, a, a defensive player that hits somebody and they're carted off the field and they're injured or something. So, I mean, that definitely does do a mental toll on you as well. I mean, you've we've certainly seen boxers who never were the same. We talk mm-hmm. about you're never the same after you get knocked out. Some guys, when they hurt somebody, they knock somebody out really bad or – Heaven forbid,
0: kill somebody in the ring. They're never the same afterwards. Right. Right. All right. We come back. More Golden Knights Minnesota Wild. We'll preview the game tonight. It'll be on uh, NBC Sports Network. Uh, Face it off at 7 o'clock tonight. Golden Knights against the Wild, game two. We'll break it down next. Hey, this is
2: Robert De Niro, and you're listening to the TC Martin Show. It's good.
0: Check out RVDCBD.com. Go to the website for all your CBD needs, whether it's pain, it's injury, relaxation, it's all there for you. RVDCBD.com. 21% off anything on the website by using the promo code TCRVD. So take advantage of that. Uh, whether it's the smokables, the tinctures, the creams, the oils, the gummies, it's all there for you at rvdcbd.com. Definitely go check out the website, uh, save some money, 21% off. Promo code TCRVD. Speaking of, Rob Van Dam, he will be with us on Thursday in studio. So we'll get his thoughts on the icon series that uh, just aired on Peacock on Sunday. So we will talk to him about that. So coming off his WWE hall of fame induction just a couple weeks ago, been very, very busy. And of course, uh, the documentary that aired on Sunday. And I know that uh, everyone who saw that thoroughly enjoyed it. Numbchuck loved it. Right. All right. And uh, I'll be seeing it uh, here uh, tonight or tomorrow as well, too. So looking forward to that. Yes. And I didn't make the cut. I, I, I actually survived the cutting room floor. I think I, you know, I was in there for about, you know, 22 seconds. The NWC footage, I think, got it like a minute 38. So there you go. That's that's good. Out of what, 98 minutes, I believe it was. There you go.
3: Okay. Well, if you Lo- see it,
0: as long it, as it check clears, it's good. If
3: you see it tonight. <laughs> You're going to be a busy man. You're going to be up late. No, I, I can't. You have do it basketball. Oh. You have
0: hockey. Yeah, yeah. I got, you know. I got Astros A's tonight. Yeah, I'm Everything. sure you got
3: a meal or two that you're sneaking in there someplace. I'm trying to sneak
0: in the meal before <laughs> the games tonight. But like you said, we got now. Go- what time go- is the is the Aces game? Aces game is seven o'clock. Oh, same time. Golden night, seven o'clock. Yes. Yeah, oh. yeah, so we Got ESPN two, NBCSN, and then we've got Astros and A's at uh, I believe first pitch. So yeah, I'm busy. So. So a little little sports
3: menage a trois for you.
0: This is true. Yeah. (laughs) And you're going to have your Coca-Cola in the fridge. You're ready to go. You're going to be kicking back in your Lazy Boy or whatever your couch, whatever you do. I just got my couch. Okay. I've got my recliner, and I'll probably have uh, some sweet iced tea or the Pepsi going. I don't know. Probably the sweet tea tonight. Just made a fresh batch of sweet tea, too. So what do you think of that? You make your own? I make my own. Yeah. Yeah. I don't drink
3: tea. Yeah. Sweet iced or any other kind.
0: I don't know why. I, you, because you like the sweet Coca-Cola. It's it's a nice quenching beverage. But the sweet tea is it's not bad. Be, because
3: there's Coca-Cola and everything else. Yeah, there's nothing true. else that ever has quenched my thirst. Unless when I work out, which isn't very often these days, but when I was younger and I used to actually be an athlete, the only thing that I wanted then was water or maybe Gatorade. So let me
0: ask you this. Do you... Just X off those restaurants or fast food establishments that don't serve Coca Cola. No, I'm talking about from a food perspective. Do you? Do you? No, no. You, you know I don't because we've been places that well, I, haven't I served Coke. And but that, so. but but when we've gone, I know that you're. You get a little down and go, oh, well, whatever. Well, I, I always so, ask Coke or Pepsi because
3: I'm not going right.
0: to order the Pepsi. Okay, I guess here's what I'm saying. So when we go or we're out or we're doing a remote or we're doing a function and I say, hey, you want to eat this and that, and the first thing you ask is Coke or Pepsi house, I get that. So I'm saying you yourself, do you refrain from going to certain places because – you know you can't get a Coke at that establishment. No,
3: not really. Okay. I mean, because I have so much Coke at home, and that, that now I have gone into places that serve Pepsi before and brought a Coke inside. Okay. And and some of my friends are like you can't bring that, and I'm like, it, it, it's either that I'm going to have water. So you, yeah, I will. Okay. Uh, there's been times when usually if I go to a place that has Pepsi, I'll either have Sierra, Mister mm-hmm. Mountain Dew, or sometimes I'll just have water, or I'll bring in some Crystal Light or something like that and actually make my own lemonade or something like that with Crystal Light at the place and just have
0: water. Okay. And see, that's why I ask. Because, like, say, okay, you you want to go have lunch and you got your spots. I didn't know if you would say, like, say, for example, Burger King is a Coca-Cola place. Wendy's is a Coca-Cola place. So McDonald's. It's like the, McDonald's. Yeah. Most I'm, of the fast foods are going to, Coca-Cola. I'm going to go to those places, you know, where whatever, you know, they have... Not coke, then you might say, "Eh, yeah I mean for I'm gonna go there instead.
3: For instance, I go to Buffalo Wild Wings for all the the UFC pay-per-views and that, and that's a Pepsi house. Okay. I don't like it.
0: Okay. But it is. But you but you'll but here's the, the deal. Here's the question where I'm getting at. You're going for these events, like when you and I go out. If you're going strictly for the meal, say do you go to Buffalo Wild I've, Wings? I've gone to Buffalo Wild Wings without... just to meet a friend or something like okay. that and have lunch there or so whatever. So the middle yeah. of the day, whatever. Yeah. I mean,
3: okay. I I don't, you know, if there's a similar type place, right. I will tend to lean towards the place that has Coke. Okay. But if I go there and I know that they serve Pepsi, uh, again, I don't like it, but I, it, it it's not a deal breaker necessarily. Okay. See, now we learn. There we now, go. if somebody told me that I had to have Pepsi in my house, no, that would be a deal breaker. Yeah. Like if somebody, like if my ex would have just drank Pepsi, that would have been a deal breaker. <laughs> I, I don't allow Pepsi in my house. Yeah. My brother Bob years ago came over to visit me once. He drank Diet Pepsi. He knocked on my door, and I literally told him, I said, what are you doing with that? He said, what? I'm like, I came to visit you. I'm like, hey, you're not bringing that in my house. I literally made him put it out in the hallway because I wouldn't allow it in my house. He said, well, fine, I'll leave. I'm like, fine, I didn't invite you. But instead, That's he awesome. actually put it out there and... We talked and watched TV or whatever for about an hour or two, but I literally would not let him bring them. Now, I'm a little more mature than that now. Bitter Frank's back. There it is. <laughs> no, there's nothing bitter about it. I'm just telling a true story. That was that was many years ago. I was like 21 or 22. People think I'm bitter and angry now. They have no idea when I actually had a temper, and I could back it
0: up. <laughs> <laughs> we don't we, we don't need we don't need that visual. There you go. Uh, are these guys a sponsor? I don't think so. No, they're not. So, uh, <laughs> jeez, you better go get a sponsorship from from these guys because we sure give them a lot of love. All right, all right. Vegas Golden Knights and the Minnesota Wild, seven o'clock facing off. Game number two tonight. Minnesota very very physical. We talk about the defense. Seventy one hits to the Golden Knights. Fifty seven. On Sunday, again, I point out that the Minnesota Wild have defeated the Golden Knights six out of nine times. That's a big deal. That's a story because the Golden Knights have won the season series from anyone else in these in the postseason. But not only did they lose the season series, they're 2-3 and three at home against the Wild. Uh, six of nine they've lost overall. Tonight, game number two. All right, so... We don't know for a fact, 100%, that Marc-Andre Fleury is in net. but He's is, in net. Isn't it funny, though, how He, he this was story, first off the ice. I he know. was in the starting goaltender net. So, He's in net tonight. But it is funny how Pierre DeBoer still does not even want to talk about it, acknowledge it, and tell people about it. And again, it's almost like this guilt situation. Do you feel guilt because you signed Robin Leonard to this humongous contract? You made Marc-Andre Fleury uncomfortable? And now Marc-Andre Flory has played his way to the number one goalie. Can't you just say it? Because most people would, but it just seems rather strange. And again, back to the conversation from last week about Peter DeBoer just not being that, that guy you want to give a big hug with or fans really resonate with. It does seem kind of silly. Just say who your goalie is and move forward. There's nothing to be secretive about. He's the best goalie that you have on your team. End of story. Well, you know, the Pete DeBoer backers are going to say you're completely wrong
3: because why let Minnesota know who's going to be in net? Oh, they, now, know. they I don't, know like we know. I don't know that it really changes Minnesota's right. game plan. Right. Oh, Leonard's in, so we got to do this tonight. Yeah. Oh, Fleur exactly. is we're going to do this. They're still going to have basically the same game plan. Yeah. It's just some coaches do that kind of stuff. They don't like to share stuff with the media. And when you take a coach that doesn't necessarily like to do it like DeBoer and then you add in George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon, who like to tell the media nothing – You're going to get what we have here. That's been the ammo of this organization since their inception in the league. I don't see that changing. It doesn't even bother me anymore. It's just part of the thing. Uh, It was a very limited practice today. But Fleury was the first off. If he's not in net tonight, then not only have they gone back to the rotation, but they've also changed what they've done since they started that the first goalie off the ice is in net. So it's going to be Marc-Andre Fleury. My question is, is Max Paci- Pacioretty going to be out there? Because, and I know everybody's talking about, oh, they need his scoring. Well, first off, if Pacioretty means that much scoring to him, then maybe he should make even more money than he does. But he is a big factor. But him and Stone have been sensational all season long. I don't know what's going on with Pacioretty. And there and there's still, it says that it's undisclosed. He's a game-time decision. You know, he might even hit the ice in a warm-up and not play tonight. We don't know. Right. So... That's what I'm curious about. The other thing I'm curious about is, will Cam Talbot be as good as he mentioned? And I mentioned that earlier in the show. And if I am Vegas, I am nervous about one thing. Not just the fact that Minnesota has had their number, because whatever, it's a different game. You're still the number, you know, you're one of the best teams in the league. You were runner-up to the President's Trophy. You had the same amount of points. You actually had more wins than Colorado did, just not enough regulation wins. But the youngster, Kirill Kaprizov, Did nothing in game one, and you still lost that game. Great point. If this kid comes out and does what he did in the regular season, what he did all season long, we did those two. You
0: could be in trouble against the Golden Knights because you
3: silenced this kid in game one, and you still lost it. He is by far the best offensive player on the Minnesota Wild. Can they completely shut him down again? That's a
0: challenge to me. The biggest question I have is, will the Golden Knights offense come alive because again this is a this is a playoff rut that we 've seen again it's just it 's only one game, but we had this conversation all through last season 's playoffs and it's it's rearing its ugly head again I mean they had plenty of chances, and I understand no patch already in, in others okay but you you did get a couple of pieces back you got martinez back you got ryan Reese back even though those guys you know, not big goal scorers, but you you need to create some offense. And you've been able to create offense with this group that we've seen for the last month or so, beating up the weaker sisters, beating, beating, and you've been able to score. They were bottom and feeders for sure. They I mean, were. And, and this division had a terrible bottom but four. we did see them. Score against Minnesota as well. Absolutely. We've got a 6 5 game. Uh, Vegas had more five goal games than anybody in the league. Their
3: offense has been rolling. The other thing that I'm curious about, I'm really curious to be honest with you, is how the game's going to be called. Because you mentioned the physicality of game one. There weren't very many penalties called. The referees really let them play. Do they tighten it up tonight and maybe call a penalty or two early or something to say, look, all the roughhousing that went on in game one, we know it's the playoffs and you're going to be physical. But you guys went a, little, you went a little bit overboard. Or do they just kind of put their whistles in their pocket again and basically say, if somebody's not almost bleeding or you're taking a limb off, go for it. Because you could tell the intensity really picked up in that game once the players knew that they were allowing – the the
0: referees were just swallowing their whistle, basically. Yeah, and they definitely swallowed the whistle. I don't know if they didn't see the high sticking on Alex Tuck. That, yeah. that was huge. It, it should have been a penalty, it, it should have for been sure. Penalty, no doubt. And then, you know, we got the hooking call earlier – uh, a few minutes earlier, uh, against um, um, uh, the Wild, and right? Yeah,
3: yeah I mean, yeah. again, there were penalties that could have been called, but I thought overall the game was called pretty consistently. Mm-hmm. Now, I know some people are complaining about the Marshall Show penalty, right, even yes. though it didn't lead to the power play goal, but they said Petandre was out there too long, and that's why he didn't clear the puck, right. and whatever, it's hockey, crazy things happen out there. Um, I will say this. Marshall has taken worse penalties, but he's got to play smarter, too. You can't, in a game like that, and we saw him. It, it happened in one of the regular season games. He, he, t- he took a penalty. They killed the penalty. Then he actually scored the game-winning right. goal in the three-on-three three overtime. Right. There's no three-on-three three overtime here. There's no shootout. You still play big-boy hockey, five-on-five, five, beating the hell out of each other. It's a different thing in the playoffs. You've got to play smart. And again... It was one goal if
0: Vegas wins that game we're talking about it completely differently, but they didn't that's right they're down one nothing right now and uh, game number two tonight uh, it's you know you really shouldn't say it's a must win because you can come back 2-0. but when you lose two games if they do lose game two tonight, you lose two games on your home ice uh, against a team that you haven't fared well and call it whatever call it matchups call it the physicality that the wild bring to the table. Or just call it that you're you're you know they're in your head. Whatever it is, we knew from the beginning that this was going to be a treacherous matchup for the Golden Knights. And anybody else, they would be heavy favorites, and they still were were pretty heavy favorites in this series. But this was the team you really didn't want to match up with. I know the the team felt this way. I know fans kind of said, well, you know. And, and the team didn't you know, say they felt that way, but you know, know that. Exactly. you know they yes, did. You yes. know they did.
3: And, again, we talked yeah. about it earlier. That's That Colorado game kind of meant everything. Yep. To be honest with you, I was surprised that Colorado didn't go with Grubauer in that final game. To make sure that they got that president's trophy, but they kept with their rotation as well. Yeah. So well, I think there's... they
0: knew the, you know, the Kings were going to be non-competitive. Well, I think they knew, but you you, they still have our another night's rest. Yeah. That's why I viewed it. No, yeah. no,
3: I, I viewed it that way too. But yeah. if it would have backfired, they would have been second-guessed. But right. again, it didn't. So right. again, it's, we talk about it's a results, a results-oriented business, and the results are how we talk about it the next day. It's like the basketball game that's you know somebody hits a three-pointer at the buzzer to win a game on a miracle 3 and everybody's like oh the other team sucks you know it's like the majority of the time that doesn't go in and then you're talking about the team that wins the final result is how the narrative of the game is presented to the people the next day mm-hmm. absolutely i mean it, it was a one goal game that went off martinez skate
0: yeah Oh, well, and that's hockey that's you know you have <laughs> freaky goals like that no no doubt about it you know we saw the minnesota twins uh, snap a, a losing streak, come from behind um, to beat the A's uh, on Saturday. And it was, uh, you know, a home run that bare, I think it went over the fence by literally an inch. And, again, if that ball goes off the wall or it's caught at the wall, it the A's win the game. But it turns into a three-run homer, a game of inches. And we, we talk about that in football. We talk about that in all sports. About, you talk know, about, you know, long shots made baskets. The Gonzaga, you know. Beyond half court shot that, that we saw hey, in the the goalie of the night, perfect example.
3: Bartman got absolutely destroyed in Chicago because Gonzalez made an error at short, no. and the pitching staff couldn't get their job done. Right. It's it's funny how the narrative is. You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, one of the greatest teams of all time, the immaculate reception yep. that doesn't happen. All of a sudden, maybe they're not in that same atmosphere. Yeah. Maybe they don't have the the run that they have, and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Sports is a crazy thing. Sometimes something really Insane happens. Yeah. You know, maybe not marching band on the field insane, but there's a lot of stuff that happens and it changed. And those are actually the moments you remember forever. Absolutely. As much as Alec Martinez hated that puck going off his mm. skate, he certainly remembers the game winning goal against the Blackhawks and then the one that won the Stanley Cup for him. Those also were pinball goals. Right. They bounced off a lot of people.
0: Golden Knights, a $1.60 favorite again here in game number two. And a lot of people, the bounce back theory. Well, they're going to even it up tonight. I know there's people out there who's thinking, hey, you know, lay the puck in a half. You know, they're they're going to blow them out. I don't know. I think we're going to see a, a great hockey game tonight. How do you see this thing unfolding? Um, if Cam Talbot plays like he did in game one, I think Minnesota is
3: right in it, and I think Vegas is going to find it very difficult. Mm. If they get an early go on Talbot and he plays like he did the last couple of weeks, I think on Marc Andre Fleur is going to be sensational again, and I think Vegas pulls off a victory. Mm. I really think the key to this game is
0: Cam Talbot. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. We'll see. And I think even, you know, talk about Talbot. I, I I put a lot of the emphasis in the success that the wild have had. Especially in that last game, was the defense in front of Talbot. Those guys not giving the uh, the Knights any lanes whatsoever. And not only in front of Talbot,
3: I mean, but in the neutral zone. In exactly. the middle ice, exactly. they didn't let Vegas right. come in and set right. anything up yeah.
0: comfortably. I mean, that's where it They starts.
3: made their offense uncomfortable. Right. That's what Minnesota does. Yeah, that's it.
0: And that's where it starts for the goalie to be successful. Right there. Alright, uh, appreciate BJ Armstrong for joining us. Talking NBA play-in tournament. Steve Sachs talking a little Major League Baseball. We're back at it again tomorrow in Enjoy the games tonight, and we reconvene tomorrow at 2 o'clock. you miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. We're available on all of the podcast platforms. Go check it all out, and we'll see you tomorrow at 2.